You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 153 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, and it is time for our critical reading of Jade City by Fonda Lee. And we'll be sharing our thoughts and views with the aim to see what we writers can learn from this book. Yes, I'm looking forward to it because it was such an interesting story. But, you know, listening right now, if you are planning on reading this book and you haven't yet, spoilers, there will be spoilers. So keep that in mind (laughs) if you're listening. This is a critical review, not a blurb or a teaser. We're going to rip it apart and say what we love, what we wish had been different, and see what else we can learn from this book. That will be it, yes. And we also got a few remarks from Patreon supporters, so uh, we will also mention some of of that as well. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I happen to have read some of those comments, and I'm kind of in agreement with them, so that'll be really fun. I am for the most part as well. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right, end of episode. No, (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Go and read read the thread and that's that's it. (laughs) You're awesome. All right. Well, how are things over in Denmark? It's been a little while since we talked, which was partially my fault. Um, I will warn viewers now, I'm still, I had a cold. It really knocked, it wasn't COVID, knock on wood. But it's definitely knocked me for a loop. So if my voice is a little hoarse, or if I will, I swear I will cough, I'll either mute myself or I'll go away from the microphone. But yeah, <laughs> um, there's there's a chance I, I'm still coughing a little bit. So it's been a while. This episode was supposed to be the previous one, and we just couldn't get together because cold. I got a cold. Yeah, this was supposed to be one hundred episode one five two, and then it now turned out to be one five three. And well, <laughs> well, it was a bit of a mess because we had to rearrange stuff and redo stuff and rename podcast episodes and whatnot. But uh, we it succeeded, and we're here now. Yeah, <laughs> that's what counts. Yeah, so, how have yeah. things been? It's been absolutely ages since we talked. Yeah, well. Um, now I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, to be honest. But uh, we were in here during winter time. Um, as I've said on previous podcasts, I started doing sea kayaking. So oh, here yeah. during winter time, well, you can go out sea kayaking, but you need a, a dry suit, which costs mm-hmm. a lot of money. So yeah. and we don't have that. But then what we can do is we can go to the swimming hall. So we take the kayaks into the swimming stadium oh, and we really? train in the swimming pool to. Do like, uh, you know, Eskimo rolls is what we call in Danish. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what the English word is, but, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Get without getting out of the kayak, you basically, you're upside down in the water and then you learn how to sh- get back up out of the water <laughs> without exiting the kayak at all. And I actually managed to do the first roll this uh, last wow. time when we went to practice for the first time I succeeded in rolling around. Uh, so that was pretty cool. That is really cool. I've never managed to do a full one. I, I usually I was uh, whitewater kayaking, so much smaller, like half the size of a 
ocean kayak, a sea kayak. And I yeah. still never quite learned the hip snap part to get myself fully back on my own. So that's really cool yeah. that you could have had one. Yeah, yeah, well, it was like uh, the the time before my wife succeeded doing it. And she was just like, no? and she did it like 10, 15 times. Like, like whoop, 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 round, round, round. And I was, and I was just so much struggling. I was like, fuck, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> and then, but then uh, last time we were here in the swimming hall, uh, we had a couple of instructors with us. So I think this instructor probably spent like an hour with me trying to explain how, you know, because it is really, I mean, when I, I succeeded, I was actually surprised to see how little muscle power you need to use. It, it's actually, it's all about technique. You mm -hmm. you almost need to do nothing to flip around if you just use the right technique. So, yeah. and, and if you like, like angle your body just slightly wrong or you, you use your arms slightly in the wrong way, you're not mm -hmm. going to flip around. So... It, it's really about techniques, but it, it's I succeeded. But now, of course, I'm concerned the next time we're going to go train, then I can't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all muscle memory, so eventually you'll get it down. But that is awesome. However, it's hilarious. Your wife was like, Whoa, I'm just rolling like, you know, yeah, she was just rolling off. around and looks like. Well, it's quite easy. Yeah, so, yeah, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> for her, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, other than that, then, uh, well, on, in terms of working-wise, we've sent book one of our new series off to yeah. the editor. Um, so we're waiting to get it back from the first editor, and then it'll go to the second editor and so on. But uh, <laughs> but we're getting there now, so so that's pretty cool. Uh, and otherwise, we've started to look ahead for 2020 and are yeah. going to discuss some of our future plans and so on. But I quite like this time of year when we're sort of reviewing what are we going to do next? And so I, I, that, that's always fun to me. It is. I think it's, it's so, it's good to do that. You should do it in your life. You should do it in your writing, your book marketing, whatever you got going on. I think so many people don't take the opportunity to reflect and then reorganize and then hit the new year with maybe some new goals and some new operations and stuff. So I agree, which again, you know, go figure we've been, we tend to agree on just about everything. So it's no surprise. We both enjoy looking over <laughs> stuff. And I, I think it gets your passion going. If you feel like you're just doing the same old thing and you just need to keep plugging away at it, it you lose the passion. And and it's half the fun is getting that back and getting excited about things and what you're going to do for the next year. Yeah, indeed. So how about you? What have you been busy with the last couple of weeks? sick <laughs> but apart from being I, sick apart from, not much i well i mean i managed to get the editing done and so that's been off and i'm going to be working starting to delve into getting our website for edilicium.com going some minor things like that so i'm looking forward to really getting into that more but I was surprised. The last time I was truly sick was actually right when I came back from London in, in January 2019. I got kind of the same thing, so chills, really sick. And that only knocked me down for three days. But this one, it was funny. I'd start feeling better, and then I'd be sick for two days. And then I'd start feeling better, and right. be sick for two days. Oh, it's been a nightmare. I really thought I was surprised when I got the COVID test results back as negative. I'm like, really? If this isn't COVID... Oh, there's some other nasty bugs out there and no one should ever have to go through this. But I have never had chills like shaking so hard while I had a fever in my entire life. Thank goodness my husband has no. a medical wilderness medical training because he's like, I wasn't worried. We're fine. I know what to do. But I was like, 
this ain't right. This is not right. Yeah. But there is a bug like that going yeah. around. Because, I mean, over the last two weeks, I was sick for a couple of days as well. Yeah. And I was, I, I, I didn't have the shakes like you're describing there, but I did have a fever. And I was absolutely, absolutely sure that this is COVID because yeah. it felt like, you know, the... Uh, all the flu kind of symptoms, all the stuff that you hear yeah. about, uh, and and your throat, you yeah. can feel it all the time. It was exactly mm-hmm. like the symptoms described for for COVID. But I also went and got a test, and it was negative. Yeah. Uh, but there is something going around like that at the moment. But yes, uh, I mean, none of our listeners catch it. It's uh, not contagious through podcast. Thank goodness. I don't think it's contagious <laughs> through podcasting. At I least hope I hope not. not. <laughs> I hope not. But yeah, I mean, as I, I've described it, I feel like. Um, I've actually been sleeping with a hot water bottle. I feel like my internal thermostat, we we speak in car language all the time. I'm not sure, but my thermostat is busted. <laughs> it is not working. So um, please, if you find yourself getting cold, stay warm. Make sure you, I was sleeping with a hat on and a hot water bottle and a coat and it's just ridiculous. Oh but yeah, keep yourself warm and healthy and have a good December because you don't want to get sick at the beginning of winter. It's I'm going to have a, horse th- a sore throat all winter now. Yay. Yeah. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. So I found a very interesting article on the internet that I just thought I would share here. Um, oh, excellent. Because it's probably over the past month or something like that, I've been posting sort of different topics uh, to our patron supporters about mm-hmm. um, different aspects of BIP big publishers merging together oh. and uh, sort of the effect that it might or might not have us on us authors that all these big publishers are merging, you know, like mm-hmm. lower advances, lower royalty payments and so on. I mean, for us indie publishers, it's not so concerning, but for mm-hmm. everybody doing the traditional publishing, uh, then I've been just making different uh, patron posts about that. Uh, mm. But then I found this article as well. Uh, about uh, Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster, was, they're looking to merge in a $2.2 billion deal. Wow. Um, but then the U.S. Justice Department stepped in and blocked the merge. Did you oh. see that? No, I did not. It's funny, I read the news a lot, but I did not see that one. No, no. <laughs> so the U.S. Justice Department says that the merger would create a two-dominant market role and it would hurt yeah. authors and readers. Hmm? What do you think about that? I'll, well, it's funny. I, I I agree. We need competition. And so there are things to keep, the, you know, something from developing into something that's going to squash competition. But then I look at Facebook and Amazon and <laughs> thank Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and they haven't considered that dominating things. I mean, especially when Amazon bought Goodreads and they own publishing and, and there's like the dominant market, but at least they're trying yeah, to protect true. the brick and mortar ones, you know? It's good that they're maintaining some competition out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, from a publishing point of view, um, Penguin is the largest publisher, and uh, yeah. their largest rival is Simon, Simon & Schuster, so those two merging would generate, like, a massive dominance in the market. Uh, yeah. in, in my view, it would be, like, unprecedented... Uh, on, rep- what do you say Unprecedented. Um, that was what I was trying to say. Control yeah. of the publishing industry, right? Uh, so I fully agree with the U.S. Justice Department here. I think it's a good thing that they are blocking this. But of course, the lawyer of Penguin then claims that it would actually be good for the authors if the oh. two giants merged, and that the publishing imprints will continue to compete against each other. Is what he said. <laughs> I don't buy that for a second. 
I don't buy that. I think it would give them a better edge to compete against Amazon, but Amazon is so far ahead in eBooks and they're just really, and they're pretty solid in paperbacks, but they're just delving into hardcover. So I think it would put them against each other pretty solidly that way, but I don't think it would help authors to have basically no, your choice all. is Amazon or whatever Penguin Schulster would be called. But I mean, it, to me, it's almost like Amazon decided to buy, um, Oh gosh, now I might just completely blanked, but where you buy your, where we're also have our paperbacks published, uh, Ingram Spark, like if Amazon bought Ingram Spark, authors would be doomed, just doomed. But I don't think Ingram right. Spark wants to go under, but yeah, that is like the only other real competition for Amazon is Ingram Spark. And a lot of people don't even realize it. You're right. Yeah. And Spotify just bought uh, Findaway Voices. Oh, wow. Really? Jeez, there's some yeah, shakeup going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to be the dominant audio producer, just like YouTube being for video. Spotify want to dominate the entire audio market. Oh, that'll um, be interesting. But And you also saw, uh, you know, of course, that was like early in the year, um, mm -hmm. but also Spotify buying Joe Rogan's podcast for $100 million yeah. and stuff like that, right? So they're, they're really you know playing hard in in trying to just dominate the audio market which i probably think mm -hmm. i think i think they're onto something but of course from a content creator point of view you can be nervous that it's going to be the same outcome as it was for musicians uh, like they're getting mm -hmm. paid pennies when it's paid on and when when their number uh, or music is played on spotify and yeah. you could be concerned about the same thing here from from a audiobook kind of perspective now that they bought findaway voices that you also can end up in a situation where we authors are just going to get paid a few pennies per audiobook play. Uh, yeah. So that is a bit concerning. I agree. It's uh, we'll have something to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. And on to today's topic. All right, so Jade City is a World Fantasy Award winner. It is, uh, or it was named as one of the Times Top 100 Fantasy Books of All Time, wow. and it was a Nebula Award nominee for Best Novel. So, and I actually went, now it's a couple of days ago, but I did go and check the sales ranking on Amazon, yeah. and uh, I think you will see if you do that, that it's selling quite well. <laughs> so there is a reason why we picked this book in the first place. Yeah, and I have to say, in some ways, it really impressed me. I was so excited. I think by the time I hit chapter two or three, I mean, I was into it. There was no way I wasn't going to finish the book. So I can say that, but um, I don't know when we'll get there. But my impression at the end, I'll let you know if I still felt that way. And I went on because it is a trilogy and there is a book two and a three. Yeah, so yeah. I will say we'll get to maybe how I felt at the end in a little bit, but I will say when I first started reading it, it was unlike the last uh, critical review we did, which was of the fifth season, that one we were talking mm. about tense changes. I mean, that was very much literary fantasy. This one was yeah. true fantasy. Not It wasn't even high fantasy. The setting and the time is more like Japan um, just after World War One, maybe, or just after the U.S., you know, came in. And started taking over just after Japan. Now I can't even remember the date that is. But when Japan opens up to the rest of the world. And goes from the Shogun period into a modern era. So it's right at that cusp. There's guns. There's different far-flung politics. But this central, very strong 
government that is used to a very traditional way of doing things and the clans are there and it's if you like kung fu movies it has so <laughs> much of that it was really exciting yeah. i kind That's of true. yeah i've kind of it's just like the grisha universe i'm kind of really liking that there's a lot of fantasy that is not just medieval it's really pulling up to different time periods now and it's kind of like well this is this is different this is exciting i'm, I'm really enjoying it yeah okay i think i will i will not give my overall sort of uh, conclusion on it I, I i think we'll talk through it and then if it's not clear by everything else i say then i can give my my final words on on this book uh, by the end but i think just uh, as autumn said in the beginning of the episode we are heading into spoiler territory now mm -hmm. so uh, be warned if you haven't read this book and want to read it you probably want to stop now and yeah. uh, come back once you've read it and then you can listen in and see if you agree with what we're saying here but uh, yeah from now on you have been warned <laughs> <laughs> that is very i think that's been clear two warnings you know what you're getting into if you continue on from here <laughs> yeah but uh so i made some different notes um that sort of some let's say places where i feel like i can i can sort of drop in and, and talk about something Excellent. but there is no like specific order to this it's just like different notes on different thoughts um, and then also some comments from Stephen, uh, both from Goodreads, our Goodreads group, but also from uh, from Patreon. Um, so I have some comments of his, and I I uh, pick some of the comments where I also have a uh, a view on what he says. So it's sort of like um, they are good talking points. But I think first of all, I could start by saying this book is really well written. Yes. Uh, I, I really feel like, you know, it, it evokes feelings, um, uh, you know, the way she described mm -hmm. things, the, the characters, and uh, they do make me as the reader, you know, I'm able to picture the scene in my mind yes. uh, when things are happening. So, so that is mm -hmm. really well done. Um, so, yeah, first, first uh, let's say, item on the list is just that it is really well written. <clears throat> Definitely. I think it is worth reading it is a fun book to read it is engaging uh the again the world is a different little bit of different time period if you do like kung fu movies it has that the magic system i'm sure we'll get into that as well with the jade and the green bones the only people the kekanese who are the ones who can actually use jade everyone else is if they touch it, they're, they either are unreactive. There's a few people who are in the world who are unreactive to Jade, but the rest of them can basically become addicted. It's like opium, maybe. It's a good substitute for that, but it also gives you really amazing powers. So it's, it's sort of the magic system, and it's really fun. I like that it's tied to a traditional item, that it works in very set ways. When she talks about, like, you can do this with it, you can do that with it, but it's really hard to do both. Some people are more powerful. They can take, they can wear tons of jade jewelry, and there's other people that, you know, you put on five, and that's, you're maxed out. That's it. I like that there's variation, and it depends on who you are and your heritage, and that there's only this one select group of people, the Kekanese, who are truly, they're the jade warriors, the green bones, who can wear this and it's also knowing a little bit of japanese history and chinese history how important jade was you know they they buried their emperors wearing jade uniforms and so i'm like oh this is it's tying in history and it's 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 jade i love stones and i love green so oh i just like this magic system it really resonated with me 
Yeah, okay, cool. Because one of the points that I had written on my list here is really a question mark to myself. Is the, is this magic system really that unique? Question mark. It was <laughs> what I wrote on my on my list because uh, it's basically just superpowers. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're using the jade uh, to to get your powers, but it's nothing more than that. I mean, uh, the more I thought about it, the less unique I actually feel like the magic system is. I mean, it's fun and all that. It's not not that, but if you're looking at it from a uniqueness point of view or trying to create something new then i really don't feel it is that i don't know if that's fair to say but i think in some ways i mean it's based on a lot of traditional you could substitute any stone instead of jade on any universe i mean i know i've read other ones where it's just uh sort of like the elf stones of shannara you have the stones and you can do something with it so i think it has a very strong heritage in the same aspect but I like that she tied it in to a culture and a history. But again, I also know, and we'll probably get into that or we can get into it now, but the jade is tied to a history that, again, I keep saying Japan. This is not supposed to be Japan. It's supposed to be Kekanese and Kekon. And that is, I think, to me, was the biggest weakness is that it was so obvious what country it was yeah. And the time period and the era that I was just like, can we just call it Japan? It felt like it's an island. So I felt maybe it's, this is supposed to be Okinawa. There's the one area there against, which to me is the Koreas, which Japan has a huge history of fighting with the Korea. And then there's this sort of English slash, for some reason, I kept thinking of Spain, but it might be because it was started with a, like an España, you know, it had that kind of name to me. So it was like an English slash European foreign power as well it's just like it was so obvious that i was like make it either more different and truly unique or just call it what it is because it's not even a filmy gray layer it's pretty apparent what you're trying to base this on yeah i think i think that's correct uh not necessarily that i think that's a problem as such um uh, I mean, I, I know we've talked about many times during our monthly Q&A session with, with our students and, and patron supporters and so on mm-hmm. that uh, if it's a horse, call it a horse, right? right. I mean, we said many times, but um, I, I'm not sure it's a problem as such uh, that, that you are sort of mimicking, mimicking close off of some, some real life uh, place. Um, because on the other hand, if you called it Japan and then they were running around with jade powers, that might that might also yeah. feel wrong. But right. I, I don't know. But but I, I don't necessarily think that's a problem. That's probably like a, you know, taste kind of thing or opinion mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I guess some people. Yeah, I think some people will not mind it as much. But I and I was comparing it to like the Grisha books, the Grisha verse, which is also has some key aspects that are very much based on cultures of this planet. But she does a really good job of anchoring the history into her novel. It's they develop out of the novel and they have completely unique aspects based on the world. And I guess I was, I like my fantasy just a little bit more fantasy. And this was so close to the real world with just a little van veil of difference that I was like, well, I wanted to see, I think a little more difference. I wanted a little more traditional, a little more history based on the world she was creating for the book rather than something that, Oh, I could let me go check Wikipedia and make sure that that is what how it happened. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think on that note, um, I could just sort of inject uh, the comment we got from Stephen on Goodreads oh. because it sort of goes very much along with what you're talking about, I think, because uh, Stephen said, uh, quote, here we have a very Earth-like world with technology straight out of the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's just me saying he he's in a different time zone or Mm -hmm. time period than you are thinking about Mm -hmm. it but okay then back to the quote they have cars they have guns they have landline phones Mm -hmm. their vocabulary is completely from modern times lee basically took the idea of a jade-based magic system and shoved it into a culture of oriental gangs from the 70s end -hmm. quote Right, so so he's thinking that this is like late seventies, early eighties, where you're talking about after World War One. So there's mm-hmm. a bit of let's say change there, yeah. but but again, I, I'm not so sure that I fully agree with the fact that their vocabulary is completely from modern times, like he says. Well, maybe it is, but I I don't necessarily think that's a problem. I mean, this, for me, this is a fantasy setting. So who who knows how they talk? I mean, but but it it goes very much along with what you were talking about. Like, it it feels like Japan, so why not just say it's Japan and so on and so on. Uh, Whereas I I just think, I just view it as it's a fantasy setting, so she can do whatever she wants. And maybe it is indeed heavily inspired by some real-life cultures and real-life locations. I don't disagree with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also think that it is that, just like Stephen is saying and like you are saying as well. But I, I guess I'm just... Not seeing it as a problem. <laughs> I And I think that just comes down to personal taste. To me, I'd like to see it. I would like to, if I didn't understand a word, like how the people greet each other, there is um, language used. And I'm pretty sure all the language used was Japanese. And I basically could have put it into Google Translator and checked it. I think right. there's a part of me who said, I would rather have that as a fantasy language. Make it up to fit your world. And don't just make it so that Are you I saying you did check it? I did not, but I, okay. I had assumed that I probably could have with that a lot of, except for the place names, that some of the greetings, some of the words, some of the language, um, the traditions were very much based on real things that you could Google or check on Wikipedia okay. and double check. And I was just like, that's. I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, to me, I'm like, I, I would rather have that just shifted a little more into fantasy. Otherwise, right. it it felt a little, not cheating, it just felt like a little bit more work could have been done to make it really have like, wow, that is fantastic, that is so cool, instead of going like, right. yeah, I read that the other day in an article on Wikipedia, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough. Um but I have another co- uh, comment as well from from Stephen, uh, mm-hmm. which this time I very much agree with him. Um, so, are you ready for this one? It's it yeah. also about culture and stuff. Uh, okay. it's, uh, so he says, uh, "quote I think if a culture had such a magic system for many centuries, it would have drastically filtered all areas of history and industry in such a way that the world would be a very different place. How would Jade have affected the countless wars over the centuries?" How would it have affected the world governments? How would it have affected technology? She doesn't really answer those questions, end quote. And here I really agree with Stephen. Um, uh-huh. Because if you just imagine like you, you take these jade warriors and you put them in some sort of special forces in the military. I mean, there's nothing they couldn't do, right? I mean, yeah, you have guns and stuff. You can shoot them. But but I mean, 
if they are like um, special forces and they sneak in behind enemy lines, I mean, just they, they can wreak complete havoc uh, oh, yeah. and there's not much you can do to stop them. So, yeah. and, and I don't think that she really concerns herself um, with with the fact that wouldn't governments also try to find ways to basically leverage these kind of people and, and conquer other countries and stuff like that? It's, it's never mentioned, really. Uh, no. And I, from a world-building perspective, I just felt like there was stuff that could have been explored further here. Yeah, I, there I completely agree. The one thing I did like is that she does have the kind of European foreign power is trying to develop a drug to allow... Spain, them, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, to allow their military to also be able to use jade. And I mean, it has bad side effects. It basically makes you addicted. It can completely overreact. So there, I like that. That was a really cool aspect. But looking at the history, basically all the history you have of Kekan and the Kekanese and the jade warriors is that they were kind of guerrilla fighters. There was a foreign country that was controlling them. And they came down the hills, they fought for freedom and a revolution, and they won it very, very recently. But it's just like, well, But why haven't they just taking over the world? I know. Again, like you were saying, I mean, you have these guys trained. They can deflect bullets. They have the power to, there's like six major powers. And one of them is deflection. So, yeah, you have some ninja-like trained warriors. You could go assassinate just about anyone they have a super fast speed and they have super strong uh you know or super strength as well so i mean there's almost nothing they can't do (laughs) no it's neat because she did have setups where it's like it's really hard to do two of those at once it's almost like you can only do one at a time unless you're really really good and you have to be well trained i mean there's a school you go through i don't know how many years of schooling just to be able to learn to harness this energy i loved all of that but again, yeah. once you became a full-blooded jade warrior, a greenbone, you're pretty much it, it all. Be, it's like it all was just clan infighting to control this tiny nation. Where it's like they, their history. These people should have been rulers. They should have been godlike. There's mentions of being descendant from gods, but it's not developed to the point to explain that why they were so insignificant in their own culture prior to this period. And I agree with Stephen wholeheartedly. It just felt like it was missing. And if this was a real, real, a real fantasy culture, um, their history would have probably needed a lot more explanation of why they weren't ruling other countries, an incredibly wealthy country and a huge superpower because they got yeah. the skills. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, and, and that's the part where I, I don't quite understand why they're just sticking to their small little island here. I mean, <laughs> why? And then, they, I mean, okay, fair enough. Uh, I mean, uh, gang fighting and stuff like, you know, it is basically Ooh. gangs fighting each other and so on. But but come on, I mean, the government would have stepped in and say, say hey, guys, you know, uh, you're going to be filthy rich, rich, all of you, if you uh, work for us and, and we go out and we conquer some nation, other nations. I mean, they would have done that. I agree. And but again, I think I, and, I didn't and, and could have just it, no yeah, I, I was just about to to finish yeah. my my thought there because they she could just have mentioned it as a short paragraph somewhere just saying for whatever reason they didn't want to or or, or just give some sort of explanation to why and then that that would have been closed, right? But because mm-hmm. it's never mentioned, then it just makes me wonder. Yeah. And I think, again, this is where she was relying way too heavily on the history of Japan because they did close their borders for two centuries, 200 years. 
they basically were not open up to the rest of the world until the U.S. came in with a steamship and basically opened up a country to from the Shogun era where they were using samurais to basically fast forward within a matter of years to a full industrial nation. And if you know the history, you're kind of like, oh, she's just basically assuming this is what happened here. And just mentioning instead of the shoguns, it's it's the warriors in the mountains and the revolutions and the guerrillas and blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't work. That's, this is supposed to be a fan. It doesn't, it's not explained with the magic system she has. And that's where, again, I have the problem that if you're going to develop this culture and this history and it's a different world, don't just rely on what happened in this world because it doesn't fit. It's going to leave you these disjointed things that I'm like, I don't understand why this would happen this way. No, I agree. And and one of the things we talk a lot about in our world building course is basically making sure that you analyze what are the wider consequences of the magic system and of the things that you develop in your world, because Mm -hmm. It will have impact on other things in society, uh, on other nations, maybe in this case, and so on. So it's not that you have to play that all out, meaning that it's not like the the Kekonese needs to then conquer the world or stuff. But, <laughs> but at least you need to think about what does it mean. And then if we, I don't want, as an author, to have the Kekonese conquer the world, then at least I should have an explanation for why they didn't do so. Yeah. And uh, and in the same vein here, Stephen also said, uh, if jade is such a powerful substance, has anyone tried to harness it as a power source? Even no. if on the Lee threw a line in there somewhere about scientists studying jade to find other uses, but to no avail because it only enhances people of Kekonese bloodline, I would have been able to accept that. But then it would have brought me back to the, my initial question of why would those jade-powered, uh, jade-powered supers have been content with just their tiny corner of the world? And then we're back where we started, right? Yeah. So, but, but again, I mean, this is again the wider, the wider consequences of having jade powers. Mm-hmm. And if you can really get that many powers out of a jade stone, then I, I understand what Stephen means in terms of it's not only about military strength here, right? I mean, you you probably would wonder as a government as well. I wonder if we can use this as a power source for other things, yeah. right? Um, and again, like Stephen also says, it's not that the Fonda leader needs to make that into something. She could, like Stephen says, she could just have made a small paragraph somewhere explaining why they tried and they failed and decided not to go any further or whatever. And yeah. then fine, right? But... I'm I'm really missing from a world building perspective. I, I think it is a really cool setting. So mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I, I think oh, it's yeah. it's quite cool. Uh, but the, what would have just made it even better would have been some some consideration about this wider consequence of the Jade powers. And I really feel that is completely missing. Mm-hmm. I and I completely agree with you and Stephen that it's just. There's something missing. I mean, there could have been any explanation why Jade Warriors were limited, why they they were sick, there was a disease, something. Just I wanted some explanation of why they seemed so minimal. They were just figure, you know, they had clan leadership, but it was just this little island. Why not more? But yeah, I also yeah. want to get into the characters because I think yeah, that was um, just what I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's like you know we haven't talked in like two weeks, and it's we're still on the same wave. That's that's good. Yeah. All right. 
But that was, I think, my other love and hate of the story were when it came down to the characters. They were well-developed. They were interesting. They had very strong personalities. And there were two I wanted to really bond. Well, I guess there was three I wanted to bond with. The one was the clan leader who was Lan. I really, he was my favorite up until, okay, very big spoiler alert. He dies. And up until Mm. that point, I was really excited. Like he did not want to be the leader of a clan during a war. And that's where this world was heading. There was going to be a clan war. And he was basically the only one trying to keep everything together. He didn't want, he wanted to be, he was an awesome, peaceful clan leader. But I'm like, I want to see how he changes, how he transforms. And boom, kills him off. So I was like, ugh. And I also, there was Shay, which was his sister. And I wanted to like her. She had gone out and explored the world and come back. And there was a few chapters in there where I was like, do I go back to my clan? Do I not go back to my... And I got to the point, I'm like, just make a decision. I was getting a little sick of her (laughs) indecision. And I never bonded with her because she was just too wishy-washy. And the only other one I kind of liked was Emery Anden, who was the one who was the young Jade Bone, mm, who had mm. quite the backstory. His mother was like too sensitive, went bad. His father's European. Well, okay, quote unquote European. We're just going to call him that. And he, so he's highly sensitive to Jade. He can do amazing things with it. But he was also too emotional. There's times I wish he was a girl, but then I would have been really annoyed. He was so emotional, at least as a guy, he was like, Oh, okay. A really emotional guy. That's kind of different, but I didn't bond with him either. And at the end of the book, that is actually what kept me from buying book two is like, this is interesting. I have some questions about the world and the Jade and the magic, but I really don't really care. They killed off land and I don't really care what happens um, to any of the characters enough to make me go buy book two right now maybe if i have some spare time later and that surprised me i was really all set to love this book but i didn't find the character that really made me want to turn the next page no and funny enough as usual we agree here (laughs) i mean man was also the only one that slightly had my interest uh, until Mm -hmm. he was killed but because it's like I feel like from the very first page, the world building really comes into its own right, right? Immediately, you're sucked into this pretty cool oh. setting. And I, I, I was very hooked in, in the first couple of chapters. Like, this is really great. But then the, the character building and making me as a reader care for those characters never really happened. No. Um it's also I feel also it's a bit difficult to care for characters who are part of a crime syndicate and they just hurt each other people and stuff like that and it, it's that alone that in its own is a bit difficult it's like mm. um, it's like the uh, the short story we wrote as a prequel for our new series uh, basically the main character there is is one of the villain uh, mm-hmm. in the so that also there it's it was a struggle to make make a character the readers would actually care about mm-hmm. because he is actually not that good of a guy. And I feel like that that's the same problem here Yeah, uh, that it's just like, and there is no real character development. I feel like that there's real, no, no real character arcs. It's, mm-hmm. it's just like a straightforward standard gangster succession story. Really? That's it. Yeah. I think you really put your finger on it. What I, there's no character arc. I was, I thought, like I said, Alain had some potential. 
and I was interested to see where he grew to and he dies. And that was the only yeah. one who really I saw a potential arc to even Emery. I thought at the end, he totally acts out at the perfectly perfect storm moment to not act out in a culture where you don't act out insults his family insults everyone like a huge slap in the face to his family and i was just like i wanted some reservations like i understood as a writer why you would do that because to me you know you're writing fantasy it's always like emotions are supercharged things happen you know big drama but i just wanted some restraint from his character to show some sign of growth of thinking beyond his own needs and yeah he was being used but Again, in the family setting, it was kind of he needed to have been used at that point. And it was also an opportunity for him to grow, and he just didn't. And I didn't really... I just was so disappointed in him at the end, specifically, where I'm like, okay, maybe there's potential. And I was like, I really don't care what happens to him after this. And like I said, there, I had that one thought. I'm like, gosh, it would have been interesting if he had been a strong woman because there's only a couple of strong women's because it's a very again, a patriarchal, very patriarchal society, even though it's written by a woman. And I thought, well, I, I didn't connect with anyone. And that's really a shame because it's a kind of it's the story itself had so much potential. Yeah, and of, I mean, of course, this is a critical reading episode, so we are being very critical. I mean, I, overall, I would say it is an entertaining read. It's a good oh, yeah. book, so 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 it's just us being very critical here because it's a critical reading episode. But um, so I'll continue in the same way and being a bit critical um, <laughs> because what I also felt like. I would really have liked some sort of surprise or, or twist about something, just something. But everything was so straightforward that. I, I really felt like, not that I could predict everything that would happen as such, but, and I, and I don't know if La maybe Lance's death, you mm -hmm. could say, was a bit of a surprise. I was, I, actually, I was not suspecting him to die. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a bit of a surprise, but, no. but I, I don't know. It just felt too straightforward, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I do. I, see, I was kind of, I knew Lane was either going to die or he's going to have an awesome character arc. And I was so hungry for that character arc and it didn't happen. And I was a little surprised at how they used Emery to defeat the other clan. Or, well, it wasn't really a defeat, defeat, but how they used him and his power. But it completely made sense. And if you were paying maybe attention to Emery a little bit more, you would have totally seen where that was coming from. So everything very much built off of everything you expected to in the story. And there yeah. was no huge surprise twist. There was no women coming in to save the day, which, you know, I always hoped for, but it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I, no, that's true. Yeah. Everything was just a little too stuck in its box and stayed there pretty tidily. And so there I kind of agree. I, I wanted something a bit more exciting, something a bit more surprising, and it never developed. I was actually really holding up when Lan, the night he dies, he gets a letter from his uh, ex-wife that he had let go. He was way too nice of a character in many ways for the world he was in. Mm. And I always wanted to know what was in that letter. It was like the hanging threat. I was expecting her to say, well, actually I left and I was pregnant with you. And I just, he's, he's your son and, or your daughter, which would have been really awesome. And right. I, it's time she come back and begin her training with you. I would have been heart stoppingly so excited 
but they never actually mention the letter. He puts it in a drawer and no one finds it. I'm like, is this in book Maybe two? It's book two. Yeah. I don't I, And again, that's, that's about the only curiosity I have is what was in this really thick letter. And it's right. at least I'm curious about it, but you know, if there had been some tease, some tease, it's for book two, with, Lauren. That's the point. But, but it would have been better to end book one with someone having found it and opening it, going, "Oh my gosh!" Then I would have been book two right there. Then, oh, oh my god, gosh, I get so much heat from readers if you did that. Oh my uh, god, they would get upset. I know, but I would have bought it in this in a heartbeat just to find out what was said. So. All right, right. I didn't have that draw. And again, I agree with you. This book, it's worth reading. It's entertaining. It's beautiful. If you love Kung Fu, it is such a fun book to read. I think book two and three might be worth reading. I mean, the reviews are astounding. The book sales are astounding. It's yeah, probably worth reading. Yeah, but I'm not gonna. I wasn't drawn to it enough. No, me neither. And I think there is, no, there's something to learn there as a writer that, there's something missing with the character arc. Something a lot of people, even Stephen, had mentioned. He did, didn't connect with the characters. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, uh, well, everybody could then say, yeah, that's nice you guys are saying that, but this is a this is a top 100 fantasy book of all time. It's a Nebula Award nominee for best novel and so on. And, and fair enough, yes, but we can only speak of uh, our own opinions here. And, and if I'm very honest about it, I, the only thing, in my opinion, I can say I don't understand why it, it is that highly praised. It's a good book, yes. Oh. It's a good story, yes. It is very well written. Mm. Great world building, maybe with some, some missing pieces like we've talked about here. Yeah. But I don't feel it's that good that it it should be that highly praised. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just, I'm just weird and I'm not like everybody else. Uh, and fair enough if that's the case, but I don't know. I enjoyed it. Good read, good entertainment. But if I hadn't known that it was a award-winning novel like this, I would never have guessed it. Let me put it that way. Agreed. I think I, I've read some indie fiction that I think topped it, rivals it, and tops it. So it's interesting that it got picked for it is such an award-winning and so touted. I think there's a lot of great books out there. It's no better than a lot of them. I mean, well, okay, it's better than some of the really rough ones, but it's on par. It's a good book. It's entertaining. There's other ones that are probably more exceptional, but other than that, again, it is my opinion. It was worth reading, but wow, I, I can yeah. only complain to, complain to have the problem she has with how well it's doing. Good luck. Best for her. I'm so excited. I wish every author who wrote that well or on par could do as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I think one last thing I had on my list to mention here, because this is really something I've learned, not, not from this novel alone, but for, sort of from all these kind of bestseller novels that we read over the... I mean, we read, uh, uh, we read one before as well for, for this podcast, but outside of the podcast here, we, we have also had like, what, four, five, something like that, very best-selling books <laughs> yeah. that we've read over the last month, just because we were trying to see... What are the common denominators in these books? And mm -hmm. what I have learned, and this book is exactly the same, and I've been surprised about this because it's not, I guess, my standard preference, but I just have to admit as well that after reading all of these massively successful bestsellers, what they all have in common is that they are fairly slow-paced, yes. all of them. 
this one as well. You know, it, it, it takes time before things get going. Um, it's not that nothing is happening, but, but mm-hmm. it's not a fast paced one where you're like flipping pages to see what happens next. It, it's fairly slow paced. It takes a time with, uh, where you sp- just spend time with the characters. And all of these very, very successful novels, they all do this. So I know, I know some mm-hmm. people sometimes say, well, it feels a bit boring because not enough is happening. But at the same time, I just, have to you know concede and say well apparently that's what most people want that's the only conclusion right. i can draw because it's i've seen it over and over and over again now yeah no i i agree it's something and it's definitely not to my taste like i said there was probably two or three chapters i'm like you could have cut one of these out oh my gosh it's so slow in the beginning especially without the character development more i think i think that could have been stronger but yeah a lot of these incredibly best-selling books are slow-paced, and yeah. there seems to be a lot of time just spent dilly-dallying and learning parts of the world. And I uh, remember one I read, there was a lot of cooking and food descriptions, and I'm a foodie, and I was getting a little tired <laughs> of the cooking and the food descriptions. And that's that's a lot of cooking and food descriptions. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, no, I mean don't get me wrong. The, 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 point, the point with slow-paced is not to be boring. That's not what I'm saying, all right? I mean, if you just no. have chapters full of cooking and nothing is happening, that is boring. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. I'm more saying things are happening, and things were also happening in Jade City, but it just takes yeah. it time with it. it. Nothing is rust. It, it, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just uh, slow-paced. Yeah, slower than you might think. If you're writing slow and you think it's slow, you might be okay. Read a couple of these books and see how you you measure up. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on your list, Autumn, or is that it? That's it. I think we covered all my big topics. So, yeah, I will just say it is a good book. It's worth reading. There's also a oh, lot yeah, of great sure. indie authors out there. So, yeah, go check out a book. All right. That's good. So uh, next Monday, I have a great interview lined up for you. And uh, I hope very much you're going to enjoy that one. So see you then. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>